This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices? I don't have to show you any stinking vices! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, hour two of the Salcedo Show underway. Uh, Senator Heinrich, I don't know him very well, uh, is grilling Attorney General Sessions right now. We'll get into some of that. Coming up, want to take a phone call here at 888 888-900-3393. Pat from New York, sir. Welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. Hello. I'm a girl. Oh, hi. Oh. That kind of Pat. Hi, <laughs> Pat. How are you? I'm kind of bad. I'm okay. What's um, going on? I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller to your show. Um, I, I have a question um, regarding, uh, is there something do you know? Is there any kind of legality uh, or law, something that can be brought against this three-wing circus of, you know, wasting time, money? Like, things are not happening. It's as if things are coming to a screeching halt while they do all this crazy stuff. Is there some, some, um, something that can be brought against people? For, it's, it's like obstruction. Right. Um, uh, so obstruction is not... Done. Obstruction is not illegal. As a matter of fact, the case can be made that uh, those who vote for the, the types of individuals who are undertaking obstruction, uh, that that's, that's what they, they were hired to do, was to get in the way of the other party and to stop the other party. Unfortunately, there is one political party that's good at it, and there's another political party that stinks at it. The, Repub- <laughs> the Republican Party stinks at obstructing uh, left-wing extremism, and they, they demonstrated that aptly in the last administration as, as the, uh, the Obama administration just run, ran roughshod over the Constitution, ran roughshod over the American people, diverted taxpayer money to foreign enemies of the United States, uh, slapped our allies across the face, and aided America's enemies. Uh, I am, uh, I, I'm not exaggerating. You know, that's, the, that's the way I see the previous administration. So the, the oh, simple answer to your question is, is there any recourse for us, uh, financially speaking? Can we, can we sue these elected leaders? The answer is, well, you can sue, but you won't get very far because they be, th- th- that's what they believe they're elected to do and how, and if their constituents want to keep sending them up there to Capitol Hill to get nothing done, that's, that, that's, 
their prerogative. You're, the American people are voting, or at least those people in those districts and in those states are voting for these Democrats, so they go up there and get nothing done. Wow, that, that's unfortunate. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I'm I, one of those, there, there ought to be a law. You know? <laughs> well, you know, not so much of a law, but there, there, there ought to be an engaged population, Pat, that says, I find this this distraction unacceptable. I find it unacceptable. And you know what? If you continue to do this, we're going to make sure that you're not reelected. You know, it should be unacceptable on both sides. I mean, it's wasting everybody. Well, I suppose the other side doesn't consider it a waste of money. Whatever they can keep, you know, Trump from doing is, is a victory. So I, I guess, right. you know. So, yeah, yeah, this is... Now, D- Donald Trump is doing an awful lot by himself. And uh, I am getting the sense, and I'm, this is cautious optimism on my part, Pat, but I'm getting the sense that there are some gears moving in the Republican-controlled Congress because they are getting the word from their constituents. Stop. You Don't join in the obstruction. You have the majority. Start acting like it. So we're hearing about movement on the repeal effort of Obamacare. We're hearing about movement in tax reform, which, by the have uh, Congressman Brady uh, from uh, the chairman of the Powerful Ways and Means Committee on Friday here to talk about the efforts to, to get us a tax code that isn't the disgrace that progressives have foisted upon us. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Pat, while well, I've got you, uh, and if you want to talk yeah. about wasting, wasting the American people's money, can it be any more wasteful than Obamacare? There was a, uh, a, a graphic that was put out for the individual market premiums since uh, from 2013 to 2017, the increase was averaging a 105% increase. Places like Utah, it's 101%. Wyoming, up 107%. And Alaska, 203%. Oh In Tennessee, up 176%. Uh, progressives are on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page right now, Pat, saying, well, Obama and the Democrats said that it needs to be fixed. Oh, no, to the contrary. To the contrary. They told us when they shoved this down our throat, it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And that's why they didn't allow any Republican input on it. And, and now, we would save money. That should be criminal, right there. Oh well, yeah. Well, yeah. That's called a. That's what we call them in the par in, in the uh, the vernacular uh, a broken promise. But these Democrats are never held to their broken promises because you have the basket of biased press who don't give a damn about holding these uh, these elected leaders on the Democrat side to their to their promises. They instead want to talk about Donald Trump, and here he is six months into his administration. Hey man, where are all your where are all your promises even though he's he's fulfilling all that he can by himself. Um, th- th- these are the same individuals who gave Barack Obama a pass on all of his broken promises. Mm-hmm. I yep. call my congressman as often as they'll talk to me. What do you um, call him? What do I call him? <laughs> Sir, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> I'm polite. Well, very nice. Very. By the way, who is your congressman? Um, for our little area, it's Tom Reed. Um, you don't hear much about him. He he scores an F on the what is it? Conservative Review scoring. So, <laughs> Tom Reed is he a Republican? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So a, yeah. you must live in upstate somewhere. Then that's that's the reason why. 
Um, yeah, we're kind of the bastion of li- liberality in, in New York here. This is where Cornell University and it's the college is. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, they call it 10 square miles surrounded by reality. <laughs> oh, that's also Washington, D.C. Um, you are right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, lady, I appreciate the call. I'm glad it's your first time call, and uh, don't be a stranger. It was a, it's a fine question. I think that your your question is indicative of how a lot of people out there are looking for recourse or are are tired of these elected leaders getting up there on a Capitol Hill and saying, well, we're going to raise your taxes because we need your money uh, uh, because it's up to you to fund all, all, all of our kooky left-wing whacked-out ideas. And uh, people go, wait a minute, yeah. where's our recourse? And unfortunately right now, the only recourse we have are elections. And even that is not enough because as as we see, uh, just yeah. electing Republicans isn't enough anymore because they don't they tend not to want to uh, be as aggressive yep. as their Democrat counterparts are when they're in power. Yep. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Thank All you. Right. Lady. Thank you so much. Appreciate the call. <laughs> call again. Telephone number is 888-900-3393, 888 Let me start this. Uh, uh, Senator Heinrich, I guess is his name. It got pretty dicey in here for a minute, folks. And here today, and you said that you would solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And now you're not answering questions. You're impeding this investigation. So my understanding of the legal standard is that you either answer the question, that's the best outcome. You say, this is classified, can't answer it here. I'll answer it in closed session. That's bucket number two. Bucket number three is to say, I'm invoking executive privilege. There is no appropriateness bucket. It is not a legal standard. Can you tell me what are these long-standing DOJ rules that protect conversations made in the executive without invoking executive privilege? Senator, I'm protecting the president's constitutional right by not uh, giving um, it away before he has a chance uh, to You're having view it. And ways. secondly, I am telling the truth and answering your question in saying it's a longstanding uh, policy of the Department of Justice. Are those policies time written? Even, uh, and to make sure the president has full opportunity uh, to uh, decide these issues. Can you share those policies with us? Are well, they written down at the Department of Justice? I believe they are. Uh, this is the appropriateness legal standard for not the, answering congressional inquiries. It's the judge, my judgment that it would be inappropriate for me uh, to answer and pr- reveal private conversations with the president uh, when uh, he has not uh, had a full opportunity to review the questions and to make a decision on whether or not to uh, uh, approve such an answer. One, there are also other privileges that could be invoked. One of the things deals with uh, uh, the investigation of the special counsel as other... We're not asking questions about that investigation. If I wanted to ask questions about that investigation, I'd I'd ask those of Rod Rosenstein. I'm asking about your personal knowledge from this committee, which has a constitutional obligation to get to the bottom of this. There are two investigations here. There is a special counsel investigation. There is also a congressional investigation. And you are obstructing that congressional delegation uh, investigation by not answering these questions. And I think your silence, like the silence of Director Coates, 
like the silence of Admiral Rogers, speaks volumes. I would say that I have consulted with senior career attorneys uh, in the department, I and I believe this is consistent with my duties. Okay, so that that, that was all about uh, a back and forth. He said, did you have a conversation with Mr. Trump about this? Okay, uh, well, my, my conversations with the president are private, and I'm not going to divulge them here. Uh <laughs> So that this this is you can see the 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 and the Democrats know this that it has never been the practice of this of of anybody in the president's cabinet to get up in front of a congressional committee and dish on what the president tells them. It has never been the tradition when it comes to top secret information. The executive can invoke executive privilege, but this is what the Democrats are wanting. They want Donald Trump to invoke executive privilege so it can seem like he's trying to hide something. And what these Democrats are trying to figure out is, did Donald Trump talk with you about this and this and this and this individual and James Comey? Well, of course, these conversations took place. I'm not going to divulge with you the nature of these conversations. They're none of your business. They're none of your business. He's the president of the United States. If you have a specific question about Russia's interference in our election, let's have it, Senator. But if you don't, and if you have a charge you want to level at the president of the United States, let's have it, Senator, and we can talk about it. But other than that, you're, you're not privy to my private conversations with the president of the United States. Uh, 888-933-93, Salcedo Show. Welcome to the blaze, everybody. Be right back. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. The Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Chris Salcedo. I think we've covered the heck out of out of the fireworks so far. The attorney general being in, in front of this committee. Uh, if if anything pops up that I see that it's of interest, we'll 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 dip back in. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, I want you guys to uh, stick around. We have uh, Jed Babin coming up, and uh, I haven't had Jed on the program in an awful long time. And I called him up yesterday. And I said, you know, not only would I like to 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 tap into your your expertise about what you see going on there. I want to do a little counter-programming, if I could, uh, to what's going to be happening on Capitol Hill, the whole Russia, Russia, Russia thing. And what spurred this on was a comment by, by Charles Krauthammer. And Krauthammer basically said, we've got real serious issues going on there right now. Uh, the, the Russians, the Chinese, the North Koreans... Um, Iran, we've got real serious stuff going on and the 
administration is being mired in basically lunacy by by a Democrat party that can't can't get beyond the fact that it lost an election. So I wanted to talk with Jed Babin, who, of course, for those of you who don't know, was the deputy undersecretary of defense for President George H.W. Bush, who just recently celebrated a birthday. So we'll get him on and we'll talk about some of these things. Um, the secretary, the current secretary of defense, Mattis, had something to say about the failure of the body that we were just listening to, Congress. That we were listening to the Senate, but in of Congress in general and their inability, and this dovetails perfectly with what Pat had called about. What do we do? What do we do with these people who get up there on Capitol Hill and just and waste taxpayer money, get up there and do this kind of thing uh, and allow all the other things in this government that need attention, for example, taxes, Obamacare, things that affect your and my life directly, the defense of this nation. Well, Mattis says, you know, the uh, sequester, which was Obama's big idea, to force lawmakers to do some work for a living. And they didn't. They failed, of course. And then sequester went into, went into effect, which basically cut defense and did across-the-board cuts in, in government spending. The Democrats said, well, we don't want to let you defend the country if we can't have our entitlements because uh, we don't want to live in America where the government is in control of everything. Uh, okay. I've never understood that position, but that's just that's how the Democrats feel about it. So we've got that. This sequester just decimating the military. And we've told you guys the stories. Uh, Fox News had tipped to them for talking about the dilapidated state of the U.S. military and how we can't keep birds in the air. We can't uh, airplanes can't keep uh, airplanes in the air. We can't keep ships sailing. We can't undertake our defense mission or even our commitments abroad because the American military under President Obama has fallen into such a dilapidated state because he really didn't give a damn about them and about defending this country. Uh, Mattis says it was a failure of this Congress. The Congress did more damage to our military. Check this out. And I'll play the soundbite when I get Jed Babin on that that the Congress of the United States did more damage to the U.S. military than our enemy has. Think about that statement. Think about that statement. And we'll ask um, Jed Babin about what's on his plate, not only about to comment on Mattis, but these other hotspots. Uh, again, counter-programming to Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, because And some of you have actually sent me emails saying, Chris, you know, I know this stuff's big news and you've got to cover some of it, but can we push back on the narrative, please, of, uh, of what the Democrats want to put out there? Uh, because they seem to be running the, the political narrative. And you know what? These individuals who sent me that kind of thing, they're right. They're absolutely right. So one of the things I did want to get into, and I'll, I'll just whet your appetite a little bit was the civil war going on in one political party. Now, you know about 
what's going on on the Republican side. Because that's highly publicized. And we've even talked about it. That the election papered over those differences between the Republicans and the conservatives. But they're still there. What you've not heard about is the civil war on the Democrat side, which because the basket of biased press who are not dedicated journalists, they're dedicated Democrats. They don't want to tell you about stuff like this. The Hillary Clinton campaign did not spend their money on white workers and they did not spend their money on people of color. They spent it on themselves. Let's be honest. They took a billion dollars, a billion dollars, a billion dollars. I guess it was a billion dollars. And set it on fire and called it a campaign. You need to give the money back to the people, period. No, it's Van Jones. It's admitted communist Van Jones. Uh, and, you know, think, thinking that other people's money is his. <laughs> uh, and, and, and needs to be disseminated so long as it can be turned into political advantage. But, but understand, he's a man of the extremist left. And he's out there firing scuds at the Democrat Party and the former leader of the Democrat Party, Hillary Clinton. And this that's just one fissure inside of what's happening inside of the Democrat Party. We'll get more into it after we talk to Jed Babin, best-selling author, former Undersecretary of Defense for George W. Bush, H.W. Bush, up next on The Chris Salcedo Show. The Chris Salcedo Show. We'll be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo show. Man, you've got to love Senator Tom Cotton. He just got on, got up to the dais, asked uh, Attorney General Sessions, hey, excuse me, do you like Jason Bourne movies? <laughs> do, do you like, what, what do we think happened to the Mayflower Hotel, which is where Sessions was alleged to have had this third meeting? And it wasn't a meeting. He was at, he was at an event where Kislyak happened to be at. So he's at this alleged meeting. He says, yeah, uh, did, has anybody on the Democrat side articulated how you were able to pull off such that the biggest caper collude with the Russian in front of hundreds of people at the Mayflower Hotel. And, and, and Sessions, all he could sit there is just laugh and say, man, thank you for asking the question because the line of questioning is utterly ridiculous. And it is. So we spent majority of the program talking about what's happening on Capitol Hill right now. So as I said, little counter programming here with my next guest, uh, a good friend of the program, Jed Babin, best-selling author. You've seen his work in the American Spectator and RealClearPolitics.com. Jed served as a deputy undersecretary of defense in President George H.W. Bush's administration. Mr. Babin, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Hey, great to be with you, Chris. Uh, first off, just as a general uh, uh, a commentary on what's happening in Washington, D.C. with this it doesn't seem to be a fixation on Russian collusion because, as I predicted yesterday, Mr. Pavin, uh, as we saw in the Comey hearing, there's scant attention being paid to what the Russians actually did to us. All that the, the Democrat side of the aisle seems to be consumed with is, is trying to nail Trump administration officials on what they did or didn't say or what they didn't didn't do and send up as much smoke as possible. That seems to be the the objective of these of these hearings well don't forget the ultimate objective here is to impeach president trump 
And the Democrats, uh, I guess, just can't understand why they haven't been able to yet. And they just keep fishing and fishing and, you know, nothing's biting. So they're just going on and on with a lot of political theater that I frankly am bored with. It just doesn't make any difference. Right. In the meantime, there's a lot of serious stuff going on out there, as articulated by the Secretary of Defense, James Mattis, telling the House Armed Services Committee just yesterday that Congress has done more damage to the military than the enemy has. I want you to listen to the soundbite, uh, Mr. Babbitt, and then comment on it. Here it is. We need bipartisan support for this budget request. In the past, by failing to pass a budget on time or eliminate the threat of sequestration, Congress sidelined itself from its active constitutional oversight role. Continuing resolutions coupled with sequestration blocked new programs, prevented service growth, stalled industry initiative, and placed troops at greater risk. Despite the tremendous efforts of this committee, Congress as a whole has met the present challenge with lassitude, not leadership. I retired from military service three months after sequestration took effect. Four years later, I've returned to the department, and I have been shocked by what I've seen about our readiness to fight. While nothing can compare to the heartache caused by the loss of our troops during these wars, no enemy in the field has done more to harm the combat readiness of our military than sequestration. <laughs> that, that floored me. My jaw dropped when I heard that. How about you, Jed? Well, I mean, it's, it, I can't disagree with one syllable of it, and it's the kind of thing that I've been writing about and yelling about on the air for a long, long time. Look, you just think about, I mean, Secretary Mattis is not only right, he's goddamn well right. I mean, the, the point really comes down to you've got a situation where, for example, about 70% of the F-18s in service in the United States Marine Corps are not combat worthy. You can't fly them on combat. About 60% of the same aircraft, the F-18s, are not capable of combat from the Navy. So you've got, what, I don't know, six or seven uh, Navy combat squadrons that can't even go into fight. You know, you've got a situation where the United States Air Force has, I think uh, the last numbers I saw was they only have 70% of their aircraft overall that are combat capable. So, you know, you look at what the Congress has done so far, and given President, a small, given President Trump a small part of what he asked for, I think he got, what, $20 billion out of the $25 billion he asked for. That's chump change, Chris. You can't even get all those airplanes back in the air, far less fix what else is wrong with that kind of money. It's going to take hundreds of billions of dollars, and it's going to take years to get us back to the point where our forces are combat ready. And it's just, Mattis is absolutely right. It's Congress's fault. They went along with Obama. They went along with sequestration. And, you know, now our guys are just facing the problems that that's all created. And it's a terrible, terrible disadvantage that they've been placed under. Yeah, and don't get me started on the Navy. They, they are plagued with similar problems that the Air Force and the Marines are plagued with with aircraft, with, with the ships sure. having, to, having to cannibalize parts just to keep planes or ships uh, uh, in, in theater in, in most of these cases. And I, I've, got to, I've got to tell you that uh, the F-35 strike fighter report that I saw, I think it was just yesterday, that this very expensive brand new aircraft, it too has oxygen problems. And uh, we've spent a boatload of money on this. And what I think is responsible for this is a Congress that has a government that is too big that can't be administered. And, and they're focusing on all the wrong stuff up there on Capitol Hill. Well, I mean, that's again, I can't argue with anything you're saying. You've got Congress, they're fiddling around. They can't even manage to do Obamacare. They can't manage to do tax reform. I mean, what the heck are these guys paid for? Beats me. <laughs> it seems to me they have a very urgent tasks ahead of them. 
They've got things they have to deal with right bloody now. The aircraft that are unserviceable and not combat capable, those need to be brought in line or replaced. And it's going to take at least two years to do so. They've got to spend the money. They've got to do it. You know, the Marines and the Army are suffering, well, so is the Air Force, quite frankly, and the Navy, uh, from very long deployments. You've got many, many men who are, you know, quite frankly, unable to see their families, even when they're home, supposedly recovering from a deployment because they're so busy training and recovering from the last deployment. So it's, it's just a horrible situation. Let me just add one little thing. It's not a little thing whatsoever. I have a lot of friends in the special operations community. I think a lot of people don't understand. They make up roughly, I don't know, 4 or 5% of the overall force. They're taking 65% of the casualties. We see these guys getting killed all the time. And part of the reason of that is we don't have a strategy in Afghanistan. We don't have a strategy in Iraq. We don't have a strategy pretty much anywhere. And everybody says, oh, yeah, let's send the special forces in. Well, you know, their lives count, too. And I think before we start, you know, agreeing to spend any more lives, we ought to figure out what the blazes we're doing. Well, uh, uh, you took me right where I wanted to go. Jed Babin, best-selling author. You can catch his stuff at uh, American Spectator and RealClearPolitics.com. The former deputy undersecretary of defense under President George H.W. Bush. I kind of giggled a little bit when I heard that Dennis Rodman, the former basketball player, was heading over to North Korea until the breaking news this morning that uh, Otto Warm, uh, Warmbier uh, had, had been released from the communist custody. A comment, and this is going to help us get into the broader discussion of North Korea, comment on what you think happened here. Well, I think it's pretty clear the State Department worked it out. Uh, Secretary Tillerson announced the release, I believe, before uh, Dennis Rodman got over there. And, you know, it's just this is a guy who has played with Kim Jong-un before. He's, you know, making a, a more of a stir than he really deserves to be making. And, you know, it, frankly, he cannot do any good or any harm. By being there, I think it's just a it, it's going to be fun for him and it's not going to be fun for anybody else. We've got 38,000 troops in South Korea right now. The South Korean government is screwing around with the idea of whether they're going to go forward with the THAAD deployment, the terminal high altitude air defense system, the anti-missile system that we want to put in there, that we are starting to put in there. And, you know, how are we going to protect our troops from North Korean missiles if South Korea won't let us deploy THAAD? It seems to me at some point, and I don't think we're at that point yet because the South Koreans are hedging and hemming and hawing about what they're actually going to do. But if it comes to the point where the South Korean President Moon says to Mr. Trump, well, we're just not going to go ahead with the bad deployment, Mr. Trump ought to say, you know, fine, that we're going to withdraw our troops. Yeah, that, that would be the, the final Trump card, if you will. Uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about the North Korean situation. It seems that the posture that the president had when he was running has softened on the communist Chinese because he has settled in on this notion that he needs the Chinese to combat a, a, a consistently combative and now dangerously close to a delivery system for nuclear weaponry. Uh, by the way, nuclear weaponry, cur courtesy of the, the Clinton administration uh, in North Korea. But still, we have issues with, with the Chinese and what they've done in the South China Sea and their militarization have said. How do you strike that balance to where the United States isn't at a significant disadvantage as, as far as trade is concerned in the, in, in the Pacific, but also rein in with the help of the Chinese what's going on in North Korea? Well, you've got to make a choice. Uh, you're not going to have both. It's just that simple. The Chinese have talked a big game. They have never done anything substantial 
to rein in the nuclear weapons program or the missile program with North Korea. Uh, and, you know, they're balancing their trade with us against that. And they believe, and so far correctly, that we're not going to do much, uh, you know, to disturb their trade relationship with us. So you're not going to get the Chinese to do it. You know, Chris, we're going to end up with a situation. Well, we are in that situation right now. Let me just pedal back a little bit here. We're in a situation right now where North Korea constitutes a clear and present danger. Secretary Mattis has said that they are the greatest danger to the United States right now. And he's exactly right. The question is, what are we going to do about their missiles and their nuclear weapons programs? Unless the Chinese act to try to take those programs away peacefully, it will not happen peacefully. There will be a very big war over there. Probably hundreds of thousands of people will be killed. And I'm just hopeful we can avoid that. But quite frankly, at this point, I'm not so sure we can. Does a nuclear deterrent, uh, uh, nuclear, short-range nuclear missiles inside of South Korea and in Japan, does that, does that help bring uh, rational minds to the table? I don't know if there are rational minds to bring to the table. <laughs> I think that, well, seriously, with the South yeah. Koreans... That's rather true. the North Koreans, the North Koreans thrive on this. They thrive on trying to trying to bully us into paying them more and giving them more to uh, to forestall their nuclear and missile development. But you know, we played that game with them for a long time. Trump and Mattis have both said that the era of strategic patience is over. Okay, and that's probably right. So we're not going to pay them anything. We're not going to try to bribe them with trade or anything to try to get away from their missile defense uh, from their missile offense system. And they're continually, almost continually launching missiles on tracks that might actually lead them to Japan or to us. And you know, at some point, one of those missiles is going to be launched, which would be capable, maybe not actually be able to get here, but might be capable of reaching the United States. And at that point, we have to shoot the missile down and counterattack. Because I don't know how else you get around this. There's going to be a, a very big and very horrifying war over there. And I'm just hoping we can avoid it. But again, I, at this point, I don't see how we can. A quick question here. I only have about 20 seconds left, but I just wanted to get your overall impression of President Trump's national security picks, CIA, SecDef, uh, Department of Homeland Security, NSA, that kind of thing. What do you think? A, a thumbs up from you? Well, middle thumb. Uh, I think he's got some very <laughs> good people there. I think Mattis is good, but Mattis has some very uh, funky selections of people he wants in his uh, Defense Department. I think H.R. Uh, McMaster, the lieutenant general who is the national security advisor, is a disaster. Uh, this is a man who goes around preaching that uh, terrorism is not part of Islam and it's alien to Islam. I mean, you know, there's some good guys there. Kelly at DHS is great. Uh, you know, I know other people in that cabinet. I mean, I know the attorney general, uh, Jeff Sessions. I know HHS secretary Tom Price. They're top notch. But, you know, that's not part of the, uh, the national security team. And, you know, at this point, again, I think they get about a C plus. All right. Former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense and President George H.W. Bush's administration, Jed Babin, everybody. Sir, always appreciate the conversation. We'll get you back on soon. Thanks, Chris. All right, more to come, folks. We'll have the show up coming up next here on The Blaze. The media wasn't ready for a conservative Latino, so naturally, we gave him a show. The Chris Salcedo Show. On The Blaze Radio Network.
Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, is able to pull that soundbite of Tom Cotton? You guys just got to listen to this. Hold on a second. Let me cue it up. Of any such collusion. I'll just suggest, what do we think happened at the Mayflower? Mr. Sessions, are, are you familiar with what spies called tradecraft? A little bit. That involves things like covert communications and dead drops and brush passes, right? That is part of it. Do you like spy fiction? John Le Carre, Daniel Silva, Jason Matthews? Yeah, Alan first. David Jason Ignatius. Bo- just Jason finished Bourne Ignatius's or, book. Do you, like, do you like Jason Bourne or James Bond movies? <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> have, have you ever, in any of these fantastical situations, heard of a plot line so ridiculous that a sitting United States senator and an ambassador of a foreign government colluded at an open setting with hundreds of other people to pull off the greatest caper in the history of espionage. <coughs> Thank you for saying that, uh, Senator Cotton. It's just like through the looking glass. I mean, what is this? I explained how, in good faith, I said I had not met with Russians because they were uh, suggesting I, as a surrogate, had been meeting continuously with Russians. I said I didn't meet with them. And now the next thing you know, uh, I'm accused of some reception uh, uh, plotting some sort of uh, influence campaign for the American election. <laughs> it, 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 does sound, it does sound rather absurd that, that the way the Democrats want the American people to believe that the election was stolen from them was... Uh, these nefarious meetings in broad daylight in front of hundreds of witnesses. <laughs> it does strain credibility. Now, John McCain is speaking right now, and I, 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 I don't want to make you all cringe because the last time this guy was in a meeting like this with Comey, he, he sounded like an unintelligent, unprepared buffoon. So I'm not even going to let you listen to it. Besides, I'm out of time. So there you go. We are spared John McCain. Oh, if only the folks of Arizona had done the same for the country. Hey, remember, everybody, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved. For we the people, back tomorrow. See you then. The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 